Welcome to another special edition of Last Week in Quantum. I'm Rebecca Crothmer, and this show is very special because we are talking about the uh, what transpired at the recent White House PQC Roundtable. And we're joined today by Aaron Moore, who is QSecure's Chief Technology Officer. Uh, and he's here to talk about, to whatever degree he is able to talk about, uh, what was talked about at the White House behind closed doors. And Aaron has an incredible background, and it'll be very clear why he was invited to this, this roundtable. So previous, prior to being CTO at QSecure, Aaron served as a program manager at DARPA, as well as chief architect for security clearance processing for defense security services for both individual security clearances, as well as facility security clearances. He was also an instructor for CISSP for data security architectures for the CISSP examination. He worked with the NRO's Vulnerability Assessment Program for Satellite Development, as well as serving as the Director of the Advanced Cyber Effects in the Advanced Systems and Technology Office for the NRO. And finally, uh, he served as an executive for the NSA, where he led research of internal assessment and internal assessment for the NSA's internal network security, as well as their network security out into field sites. So uh, yes, very clear why Aaron Moore would be invited to give his expert opinion at the White House on PQC and what needs to be understood at the government level uh, for this migration. So Aaron, um, very good to have you with us. And I'm, I'm curious to get your context as to why this was called, why now, um, and kind of what, what was the high level, uh, I guess, level setting going into this event? Well, I think the impetus was, is the, uh, the advances that we're seeing all across the board in, in many countries in the quantum computing space. NSA has recently sent out an, an advisory notice uh, to companies as well as to the government that uh, this threat is real and it's on its way. We don't know exactly when it's going to occur, but when it does occur, we need to be prepared. And in fact, uh, the threat is with us as we speak with uh, what people have called the steal now, decrypt later problem, which is once the encryption is broken, they can uh, access all of the information that they collect today, even though it takes a little while to decrypt that. Because a lot of that data is uh, persistent. It lo uh, long live, like account numbers, medical histories, things like that that don't change, they're immutable. Uh, that data, once decrypted, can be used in nefarious ways, and that'll be the first big threat that we see. The White House, the government recognizes that. In fact, OMB and uh, the, the White House put out um, a lot of memorandum in directing the agencies to begin their quantum inventories, uh, as well as assessing risk against various parts of their data and their enterprise and processing. So it was timely. Um, there were a lot of the officials from the government there. The NSA was there. NIST was there, who's very keen and uh, important in establishing the standards for the government, as well as commercial industry. Commercial industry was well represented by everybody that you could, you could probably uh, name off uh, very quickly. Um, the, uh, the talks were very um, collegial. Uh, very respectful, lots of differing opinions. But uh, in essence, there is the recognition that there is an urgency to this particular problem, and we need to get in front of it. So that's, that's kind of the setting uh, that I walked into. 
I'd say there were maybe maybe 25 or more participants, not that many. It was just one big room. Um, and the, the, the dialogue flowed very, very freely throughout the room. That's awesome. Um, and I know from, from talking with you and, and, and hearing more about it, as well as the, some of the, the memorandum things that um, have come out from the government, that this is very bipartisan and this is, uh, it does sound like it's very understood that, that there is urgency and that a, dial, a dialogue is important. No drama, just let's get to the point. And kind of on that note, how um, how are people talking about it, when it comes to this uh, making this migration? I think it's understood that it has to happen. Now, the guidance on taking your first steps is is you know one two three. How did you see people thinking about how to take these first steps to making this this migration? So there was a lot of discussion on hybrid cryptography, where mm -hmm. we use current algorithms today with a combination of post-quantum resistant algorithms. Uh, there was some pushback on that. There are a lot of uh, agencies that want to wait for standards to be developed. And there's a number of, um, on the commercial side anyway, uh, people that want to complete their inventories. One of the things that uh, I was in the camp of adopting the hybrid as soon as possible, and that's because we don't have to do these things like inventories and standards uh, in a sequential manner. We can do them in parallel. And the, the reason that I argued for that is because of the steal now decrypt letter pro later problem uh, as the data is being collected in immediately right now. I mean, there are incredible amounts of data that are being uh, collected. That is unprotected. Now, if there is anything that we can do to help improve our security posture, I think we should do that. That's prudent. Uh, and if we don't do that, then I think it's a um, it's a disservice, not just to the citizens of America, but to the world. This data is, as like you mentioned, it's nonpartisan. It's it's global. It has nothing to do with anybody's political beliefs, sensitivities, or whatever. This is a threat to the world and our systems in which we communicate how we do finances, how our medical information is protected and transmitted. Why wouldn't we do everything we possibly can that's available now to mitigate the threat? Even if it takes five years, whatever, a cryptographically relevant quantum computer, whenever it comes online, why wait when we can do something today? Now, the counter argument is, well, people will implement these algorithms in a non-standard fashion. Well, yes, they will. And in a lot of cases, that'll be a good thing because then there are so many different implementations out there that, that uh, it will be difficult for an attacker to be able to cover the entire waterfront of all the implementations. So that's, that's one, one reason for it. Uh, another reason for it is implementations are primarily for standards are for um, interoperability with less focus on the security aspects of it. I mean, the whole open source community is out there doing implementations. Why would you want to lock it up into a, hand, a small room of a few expert people with their opinions? Because once the standards are established and set, 
then you become locked into those particular standards. And we know through history that standards don't, don't guarantee security. Look at TLS, it took 12 years. We went from 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, and why? Because the standard was broken. The implementations were broken and they were vulnerable and then exploited by the, the cyber criminals. So I, I, I think standards are great. Don't get me wrong. They are necessary, they're great, and they achieve interoperability and enable us to do wide scale um, deployments and, and things like that. However, they are not a panacea for all of the ills that we're going to face with quantum cryptography, especially, like I said, when we can do something about it now. It's, it's very difficult uh, to break uh, the Kyber cams. I mean, they've already gone through, what, four years of vetting by both NSA and NIST? I mean, they got to be pretty solid in that sense. Now, how a different developers implement them? Yeah, there are problems with implementation. Sure. But there's also the promise or the hope that they will mitigate this today's threat. Yeah, that, that message means a lot coming from the guy who ran uh, NSA network security and um, uh, security like when security clearance, uh, security, because when you share, when you're getting a security clearance, right, you share a lot of personal information. So you've certainly seen some of the most sensitive information. And, and so that message of urgency, I think, is really meaningful coming from you. And just to kind of unpack um, two different threads, I think you were getting at one is a lot of people think that you have to start taking inventory of your cryptography and your network and da 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 da. Um, but the fact is what you're saying is that if it's, if it's encryption, protecting data in motion data as it, as it travels, then it's broken. So as long as you understand what use cases you want to, you want to protect the inventory side doesn't need to come first and it only slows us down. And so remediating immediately is, is something that people need to understand that they can do and should, and have a responsibility to be doing. Is that, is that right? That's absolutely right. I, th I think why not put something in place that, that will give you at least as good of security as you have today and then do your inventory at not at your leisure, but with less of an urgency mm -hmm. once you're yeah. protected? Because, you know, our, our opinion at QSecure is everything is broken. If you're using asymmetric encryption, it's compromised. If there's a way that you can wrap that asymmetric uh, at that those compromised uh, encryption algorithms into something that is post-quantum resistant, why wouldn't you? Why not? I, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And then do your inventories. That's what I mean. You, you don't have to do these things sequentially. You don't have to do the standards, the inventories, implementation. It, it, uh, it's taking risk unnecessarily. And, and yeah. in my mind, that that's borders on negligence. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it makes sense. If, if you're, if you think you have to take this, however long a process that's critical path, and then you're just waiting to, to put in place the actual protection, then it's, yeah, no, it, it, very, 
very, very great message. You don't have to be a cyber guy to understand this. This is yeah. this is just, you know, you, you want to protect yourself. Why not? Right. If, if you have that those tools, let's do it. And then do all of the other necessary things. All of the housekeeping. Standards are housekeeping. Certification processes are housekeeping. Inventories are housekeeping. Getting, a, getting your house in order, that's always a good thing. Mm-hmm. But... When it's burning down, it's not the time to go redo your file cabinet. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> well said. Yeah, very well said. And the, the second piece that you were kind of t- pointing to is um, we shouldn't look at this migration process as a one and done be- because standards break. So, um, you know, looking, looking forward, What's your guidance on how we make this, uh, how, we, how we change the game, I guess? You're, you're pointing to crypto agility, right? Um, so maybe just a little bit more on that. So uh, we've always desired to have some degree of crypto agility. In, in all of these standards for TLS, there's a place in the RFC to insert new algorithms. And, uh, you know, as old ones go away, because the enemy of cryptography is time. You're never going to get rid of time, so you're always going to have a problem. So your algorithms are always going to fail at some point. Implementations take time. They're always going to fail at some point. So you need a way to protect yourself against what are those known vulnerabilities in your system. If you know the algorithms are going to fail and you need to replace them, you should have a means uh, available to you to rapidly swap algorithms in and out of your system through a control plane so that you you maintain intellectual control over the security mechanisms that are being employed in your enterprise. And it's not just the algorithms themselves. It's the implementation uh, libraries. So the libraries, the crypto libraries that are being drawn from the implementation of, let's say, Kyber 512, is going to be different in all the different crypto modules that are being accessed. And so some of those implementations of that chem will be broken. And so that library becomes compromised until it's patched. Well, another part of the crypto agility is the ability to go to another implementation. So is there a way that you can use the same algorithm, the same chem, but a different implementation by swapping out the libraries very, very rapidly. So that's another type of agility. Yet a third one is to use a mix of different types of mathematically based chems. Like we're, we use uh, the Kyber chem, which is based on one type of mathematical property, and we use Macalise as another type of chem. So in combination, you increase the security of your system by not relying just on a fundamental mathematical principle that underlies the algorithm itself, but on different mathematical principles that give rise to the cryptography. So you've got at least three ways in which to look at crypto agility. And uh, unfortunately, we've been able to figure that out and provide a way in which people do that. Similarly, another one is entropy. Can you draw from different entropy sources? You should be able to, because some of those entropy sources can be manipulated. 
And in, that's, that's one of classic attack vectors against cryptography is if you can manipulate the, um, the entropy source for key generation. So, there, so there's four, at least. And, and I'm sure a lot more smarter people than me could figure out five, six, seven, and eight. But the point is, you need to be able to move quickly when something is compromised to something that you have more confidence in. It's all about confidence. It's all about risk management through a control plane, but you can't do that without maintaining intellectual control over your enterprise. You have to know where the cryptography is, what's, what is using it, how it's being implemented, et cetera, et cetera. Otherwise, you're just allowing um, the systems to talk to one another, which we've found in the past has resulted in a lot of uh, ways in which the bad guys can compromise our systems. Uh, the protocol uh, manipulations that go on. We have whole offices that look at protocol manipulation. So it happens. Beautiful. Uh, insight, visibility, control, and agility, it sounds like. Orchestrated crypto agility. And so to, to close out, I know that a lot of the magic of informing policymakers comes down to mapping a lot of complex topics and dynamics into very succinct, um, so what takeaways. So to round out, what would you, in, in your mind, what do you think the, the policymakers and the powers that be, uh, when they walked out of that room, that the, the one, two, three that they were walking away with? Well, I certainly hope that they, they listen to the dialogue and that the community is there to help. Everybody's got the same issue. Everybody wants to be part of a solution, not just to make money, but to protect the data of their clients, to protect the data of their, 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 their families. Um, so I, I, that's one thing that I hope. I hope that they also looked at it as this is not, does not have to be regarded as a sequential process with inventories and standards and certifications, da, 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 da down the line. This can be done in parallel. There are a lot of ways in which things can be done in parallel. And finally, I use the example of get off the X. We are in the crisis zone now. There's, our data is being stolen left, right, and center. And that long live, that persistent data is going to be vulnerable and it's going to come back to bite us worse than any other problem that we've ever faced. You think about intellectual property theft, and, and it's been in the hundreds of billions, it'll be everything that's ever been done, pretty much, will be uh, available for thieving. So in the trillions of dollars, and I think there was a Forbes article that w was uh, developed on the impact of financial systems, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the three things. There's a, there's a collegial body, to address and, and access this, that there are ways in which we can move forward quickly with uh, risk management and uh, doing things in parallel, and finally, the urgency of action. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. And I always personally benefit so much from hearing from someone who has literally been there and done it. Um, and thank you for sharing with us today. And thank you, everyone, for joining Last Week in Quantum. My pleasure.